This is Radio Plasma, space dedicated to the exchange of ideas, conversations, stories, music, performances, and randomness. Listen at radioplasma.com. Also, we are on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Spotify. I'm your producer and host, Johan Rashivega, and I want to welcome City Councilor for Ward 2, Terence Murphy. Thank you, Johan. Thank you for being here and for utilizing this forum to keep inform our community on what's happening in Ward 2. So thank you so much for, for doing that and you are always welcome. I appreciate that. And I understand there are some important news to know about. Yes, yes. Uh, one of the major reasons I'm here is that on February 27th, which is a Wednesday evening at 6 p.m., at the Morgan School Cafetorium. Uh, there's going to be a public meeting and the city is looking at building a what is called a biodigester, which as I understand it would help take away some of the waste from the wastewater treatment plant that we would not have to be eliminating and it would be able to be reused and save the city some money and also be in a situation where we're polluting or creating less sludge to be wait, to be put in landfills or where else. So there's benefits to that, but I want the public to be aware. I mean, I, when they come, I want them to be free to ask questions, to hear the, hear what the presentation is, to think about the pros and cons. Obviously, if we are doing less environmental damage, that's great. If we're able to use more things again, that's great. Uh, but we got to make sure that the negatives, if there are some, And, you know, I need to know, and the people that should be aware of what are there uh, issues in terms of potential smells that would be created. This would be a new building on, on the lot next to where uh, people can bring their, uh, their uh, yard waste. So it would be a new building, but, you know, I need to know about air quality. Are there going to be scents that people don't want to be smelling and, and how bad or, or if they would be very minimal? Would there be a specific time that is it worse in the summer than the winter? All those kind of things. I want people to be free to ask, but I definitely encourage all the residents of Ward 2, but I also encourage everybody in the city because it's a city issue mm -hmm. to consider attending at Morgan School on Wednesday the 27th at six o'clock. My understanding is not that we've had too much snow, but if there was a weather issue that it would be uh, held the next night, same time. But I just want to make people aware of that. And, uh, you know, it, it could be a savings to the city uh, and it could be an environmentally solid thing for the city to do. But let's get all the facts on the table. And this will be the first public hearing about it. So it hasn't been decided yet, but we want to go through and make sure everybody's aware of it. Look at the pros, look at the cons and make a rational judgment if we should support it or not. As for the activities at City Council Chambers, What has been going on? Well, I've been, I've been very active. I, I had, I think, eight or nine orders in the last agenda, and I'm putting several, I've already got several on this coming agenda, and I'd like to I'll go over a few of them if that's okay. Yes, please. Uh, so what I have already put in, and several which have gone to committee, the first one, and I think in terms of human quality, relates to trying to do a better job with domestic violence. Uh, I've met with the people from the Women's Shelter Campaneros. I've met with the police chief, casually met with the district attorney. We're trying to bring in the committee. The order is to bring in State Representative Vega, Senator Hummison, 
a representative from the DA's office, representatives from the police department, the school department, and Women's Health Campaneros, uh, Council for Elder Services, to try to come up with a few things. Number one, it's my understanding the governor has put additional funds into his state budget to uh, improve, I won't say the elimination, because we're probably never going to eliminate, but to lessen the number of domestic violence incidents and to provide more advocacy and more support, and, and I'm advocating for more housing, for more shelters for those victims. The reason I want, and which obviously is one of the reasons I want to see the senator and the, and the representative there, because obviously they deal with the state budget, and if the governor's got money in there, I want us to get our fair share. In meeting with women shelter campaneros, uh, they made it very clear that their shelter is pretty much full all the time. And therefore, they either have to try to find alternative uh, housing, which is sometimes in a hotel and other, it, it's not the kind of thing I want to see happen. I mean, it's not a shelter that would be a secure shelter. It's, it's you're out there in public if you're at a hotel. I mean, those are not the kind of things that are, in my opinion, uh, that we, we need to go better than that. And, and we also need to do a better job, and one of the reasons I want the school department involved is we need to do a better job, and, and I'm not exactly sure how we can do this, but my goal is that somebody smarter than me will figure it out, that we teach both young, young men and young women how to respect each other, how to respect themselves, and, and to have a very, a better positive outlook on their individual quality. You know, one of the other things that came out in my meeting with Women's Shelter is that statistically, children that come out of a violent household are much more susceptible to either become an abuser or to become abused. And again, that pattern has got to stop somewhere. And, and self-respect and respect for uh, the opposite gender, all of those things got to be part of it. And the schools, I think, can help us do that. We've also talked about mentoring programs, trying to get uh, young men with, with men that are able to teach it. And obviously, it's not just a a man's, man and woman's issue, it's a human issue, and, and we want to deal with that. So that's an order that has gone to the Public Safety Committee, and I'm very uh, excited that I think we can put, uh, and DA's office sounded very, like they had some plans. And that's the other thing, I want to see if we can also improve so that we don't have the same uh, location for a domestic violence two, three, four, five times. We need to be in a situation when we know there is domestic violence, that the laws and the policing of that allow us not to keep allowing the offender the opportunity to go back and do it again. And again, I don't, I don't know, and I was amazed when I heard a few of the things that were considered misdemeanors uh, until recently, and, and mm -hmm. I was told that even strangling somebody was considered a misdemeanor until 2014. I don't pers personally think that, uh, strangling somebody is anything less than a felony, and I think we should treat them as that. So those are all my, you know, my issues. I want the, the legal expertise of the DA, the obviously the police, because they're the first ones, and there's not a police officer around who will tell you that's not one of the worst calls they get. And they always go with two people and for their own safety, but also just because of they recognize it's going to be a challenge. Uh, so that's that's an issue that I felt pretty strong about. Way back in my first term, and I said, as I finished my first term, Women's Shelter Campaneros was just getting started. Mm -hmm. 
And, you know, 39 years later, you know, the issues are still there. The need for additional services. I know they have an advocate at the district court to work with the abused. Uh, and I think the statistic was almost 400 individual cases in the last year. That's a, a you know, we need to find a way to cut that down. Mm-hmm. And so that's the goal of the order. Again, I don't have all the answers, but I know if there's money to create another shelter, that certainly makes sense to me. Let's get people out of that. Bringing up uh, psychological counseling to make people aware that you're, you're, it's not your fault. You are a victim and you are a quality person. Let's, let's get you into an environment where you can reach your full potential. I mean, all those kind of things, in my opinion, will make us as a, as a society and this is obviously not a Holyoke issue only. It's a, unfortunately, it's a human issue, and we need to do a better job. So that's the goal of that order. Uh, it did get referred to public safety, and I'm going to hopefully uh, in the next week or two have uh, where Councilor Bresnahan will have a meeting scheduled. He's the chairman of the public service mm-hmm. com- uh, public safety committee, and uh, that we will start to talk about these and try to formulate a way to do better both in terms of counseling, in terms of advocacy, in terms of funding, in terms of shelter, and in terms of bringing a feeling of self-respect to young people and work their way up so that when they get to be, well, hopefully they'll get to be a lot older than I am, but when they get to be my age, they realize, hey, they've done a lot of good things in life and and they've done it the right way. And uh, so that's the goal of that order. And I'm pretty excited about that order. And, And I'm hoping... I know Councilor Lisi signed on to that or originally it was sponsored just by myself, but Councilor Lisi felt it was, I think she was excited to see that I had put it in there and she, and I agreed to have her co-sign it. So she's also now a co-sponsor of that order. So can I answer any questions on that? Or? And that to me, um, <laughs> in general, the whole idea is um, to address something that is a big problem in, in our society in general the domestic violence. I also commend the initiative of promoting education because like you were mentioning, sometimes we just see the victim and the perpetrator as the only ones involved in this and Mm -hmm. the ones that need to take care of that issue when it's actually an issue for every single one of us to be involved because we could be one of them. Exactly. And when I say one of them, I actually refer to be a victim or a perpetrator. And that is because when there is no education and no emotional intelligence that is infused in our community, Mm -hmm. in our society, as how to react and how to conduct things in a way that has a positive outcome, that's when unfortunately things get out of control and then it escalates to that level. And hopefully, you know, again, I think as we work our way all the way up, and obviously we can potentially tie this into things like the Boys and Girls Club, Girls Inc., and and programs like that to help, you know, build a self-respect, but also build a respect for others. So, yeah, I mean, it's got to be from the young right up the ladder. And obviously, if you're if you're taught young, you have a much better chance of learning, just like learning another language. Had I been smart in my youth, I could have learned Spanish or French or German or other. And I took all of them, but I took them too old. <laughs> and I have little parts here and little parts there, but not enough to be able to speak. But again, the goal here is, you know, there is a major problem. It's a human problem. It's a safety problem. 
it's a legal problem, it's a, and we need to deal with it. And, and again, I'm very excited that uh, it referred to committee, and the committee seems to recognize that the, this is an area, hey, we may not make all the answers, but if we can make progress and one less person gets abused because of that order, one less child has to deal with a home where there's abuse, then the order has been a, a success. If Hopefully, we're going to do more than one, and hopefully it's going to be many, and also, hopefully, we're going to get to the point where there's fewer and fewer wanting, thinking it's okay to be an abuser. Uh, and again, you know, part of that mentoring and part of that, and I, I, mostly it's men, obviously, and part of that is men saying to other men, that's not acceptable. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not, that's not to what being a man is about. Uh, and hopefully we can convey some of that to them as well. So, so that's, the, that's one of the orders I had in the other day. Another order that I had in the other day was to deal with the speeding on Main Street, primarily from Springdale to Route 5 by Providence Hospital, mm-hmm. and especially by the Dean School. Uh, and I know uh, others have signed on to that as well. Councilor Sullivan, I know, signed on to that. And he also, I think, is wanting to extend it, so we'll talk about that. Uh, but right now, I mean, there's it. it's not impossible in the middle of the day to see someone going 55, 60 miles an hour uh, just the other day. And I live on Main Street. Uh, but just the other day, I saw a car. One car was probably going about 40, which is about five miles over the speed limit. And a car came behind them, and they were pulling over at Dean School mm-hmm. to get into the parking lot. The car behind them, Closed that gap so fast, I mean, it came to probably within five feet, and it must have been going, I would say, 50 to 60. And and this is in the middle of the day when school's getting ready to get out. And so my order is a couple of things. Number one, I do want the police to come in. I do think enforcement is part of the solution, but it can't be the only, because we've done that before. We've had radar and given tickets and all of that. I, I want us to, and the other thing that's interesting is we don't have, and this is one of the goals, I, we need to put up a school zone speed light 20 miles an hour when flashing. There's nothing there. You know, I think that's another thing that we can do, at least make people aware during the school hours. And now we have middle school and, and high school yeah. there, so we've got younger kids who are more uh, energetic, if you will, and maybe a little more rambunctious. Uh, so we need to slow people down that way. But... And police, I had originally thought about, because they, they have speed bumps and speed humps. Mm-hmm. And the speed humps are not as dramatic, but I think they would sl- certainly slow people down. I know there's issues about whether or not we can do it because the Main Street's a major throughway. But the chief of police suggested something like the grooves that they put on the highway so that you know you're getting out of your lane, but reverse it and put it across the road mm-hmm. so that... You know, it wouldn't be a major change, but it would certainly tell you your car if you're going 60, 70 miles an hour. Uh, and obviously, we put signs up. There are there are grooves in the road, both maybe 40, 50 yards uh, on the north side of Dean and 40, 50 yards on the south side of Dean. That would take that stretch of Main Street and divide it by two and hopefully slow people down closest to the school. But also, after a while, you would hope that they recognize I can't go 60 or 70 miles an hour because I'm coming to that 
groove and it's going to throw my car off. I'm going to be paying to have my brakes, my wheels aligned or whatever, Mm -hmm. hopefully. Yeah, and also the actual noise that generates going uh, high speed on those grooves will be another way to at least alert whoever is around something's going on. Someone is going way too fast. Yeah, and you also have, you know, we do have tractor trailers that come, and believe it or not, tractor trailers I see going 55, 60. And you are getting, you know, once you get past Dean, either way, you start to get into residential neighborhoods where there are kids. You know, luckily, we, they don't play in the street too often, but kids are kids. And, you know, it's nothing. Hey, I lost the ball. I ran across to get it. Bang. Uh, you know, so far, to my knowledge, no one has been hit. But it's just uh, we're, throw, we're rolling the dice. And we need to do something specific that slows people down. And the other thing I'm talking, you know, I want to, again, as many things that the police can do in terms of radar, in terms of those signs that set it up, you know, the speed limit's 35 and you're going 40, those kind of thing. And then the school zone posting 20 miles an hour when flashing. Plus, you know, my, my goal now is the grooves. Because uh, I think that makes more sense. It would be less offensive to people. I think the state would be more in the line. But we got to do something because somewhere down the line, a kid at Dean's going to get hit. Uh, there's going to be an accident. People coming down St. Vincent Street start to take the left and they get hit. Uh, so there's th- those are two issues. Again, that's gone to public public safety. I've given public safety a lot of work. Uh, <laughs> but, hey, that's good that they're going to get a chance to end. And if we can get that resolved, then, again, we make that street safer. We make it so that uh, the people uh, in, in both driving-wise, people at the school and people in the neighborhoods are in an environment that's quieter mm-hmm. and safer. And so that's another goal. And just tying right into that, I also have an order in which we adopted and sent to the DPW to see if it's possible. But if you go down Main Street and you take a right up to St. Vincent, up St. Vincent Street to go up to the Kmart Plaza or whatever, uh, there's no sidewalk. There's a sidewalk after you get past the entrance of the parking lot to Dean, but not before. And I know there are people that walk up there, and, and the people taking a right, if there's someone coming down taking a left, sometimes they move this way, and then all of a sudden you're coming farther towards what would be a walkway. So I've asked to see if it's possible for them to extend the walkway down to Main Street so that people that are actually walking up that hill have a sidewalk and are not... Again, especially in the winter, when when it snows and the street is narrower, and you can't stop as fast. Uh, if there's somebody there and you don't see him because you're trying to watch that car coming down, mm-hmm. uh, again, my hope is that they'll do something with that. So that's a, that's another thing we put in. Uh, and the last thing that also went to public safety <laughs> uh, relates to the parks, and primarily South Chestnut Street Park and Churchill. But we're going to talk about all the parks because we've had issues where there's safety issues with the people working, safety issues with uh, the kids being in there and, and activities taking place. And I had a resident who lives down the street from that also contact me about safety on their corner. And I talked to the, I know we don't have community police. I know we're trying to see if we can put some community policing walking patrols so people get to know each other and feel a little more confident. I've also talked to the chief about potentially some bike patrols where you're actually on a, the police officers would be biking mm-hmm. and, and getting to know people, but also where they would have an opportunity to be around the park a little more, especially in the beginning, to try to build that, that safe feeling 
both for the employees and, and obviously for the kids playing there and for the families having their kids play there. Uh, and just to see. But, it, it, again, we cannot – you know, I've had people say to me, well, I'm not sure it's safe enough. And so should we just stop doing it? No, we shouldn't. I mean, our, our, our job is to try to figure out a way to make it safer. And, you know, if we give in because, and let's face it, it's, a lot of it is gang-related. If we give in, they win. And they should not win. That's another, and that's also gone to public safety committee. So there's three issues that I thought were pretty crucial in terms of safety. I mean, I put a couple in there that are more quality of life. One of the, is the sidewalk and an ADA-compliant uh, ramp uh, on Chestnut Street for Our Lady of Guadalupe sidewalk. Yes. So people go in there. I talked about that last time I was here. That's gone into the DPW as well. Hopefully, those sidewalks will be repaired, and they'll put an ADA-compliant ramp because I know of at least two people in wheelchairs that struggle to get in there because there is no ramp that is really accessible. And then the other order what I put in was uh, farther down on Main Street where they re did the road, I'm gonna say two summers ago, to all the way to Jed, Day, Jed Day's Landing. Mm -hmm. But from there to Route 5, it's a total mess. So again, that's a roadway that we've sent in, I'm hoping in the springtime, that will get cleared up. So those are what I filed primarily last for last meeting. Uh, for this coming meeting, I've got a few other things that I'm bringing in. One is to try to provide, uh, a to have a review with the DPW of their policy regarding, uh, and I'm going to make sure I get it, the refuse disposal permits so that you can bring your things that are not collected and bring them down to the DPW yard. For a renter, it's $10. For a homeowner, it's nothing. And I want to, first of all, that just does not seem fair to me. Yeah. Uh, and I'm Gladys LeBron Martinez has co-signed this order with me. Uh, and we, we were at a meeting maybe three weeks ago where someone brought the issue up in terms of the landlord, and I, I didn't quite follow this, but the landlord supposedly gets all the permits and if they don't give you give them to the renter, but that, that does not appear to be actually the case. Mm -hmm. But... In finding out that the renter would have to pay ten dollars a year, you know, my goal is why would a renter have to pay? It's a, they're they're a citizen of the city of Holyoke, just like a homeowner is. And yes, the homeowner pays tax, but ho so hopefully so does the landlord, and they are considered different. But the, the the renter, as a citizen, should not be considered different than a homeowner as a citizen. And so, you know, we're going to look to see, and again, I don't, maybe there's some logical reason. I, I read what I've seen and I, and I didn't think it was truly uh, something that was absolutely necessary. And maybe, maybe I'm missing the financial aspect of it, and, but I don't think so. And I also think not, ha not having renters have that permit potentially creates a situation where people leave their stuff just in alleys and other places mm -hmm. rather than bringing them where they could dispose of them free of charge. Uh, the other and the other aspect of that, which I found interesting, is the even if they pay the ten dollars, if their landlord falls behind on their sewer bill, their permit would become null and void until it was paid. Now, again, to me, the renter is being punished for something that the landlord did, and the renter does not control the landlord. Mm. 
No, I mean that's an order. We we're. I'm assuming we'll. That'll probably go to public service or finance. I'm not quite sure which committee it will go to, but I think we need to have a discussion so that we can, you know, make sure that, uh, if at all possible, everybody's treated the same way. Uh, and obviously, from a Award Two perspective, Award One perspective, Award Four perspective, where there's a lot of renters, mm-hmm. and from what people tell me. There's more opportunity for people dumping things illegally. Then we got a chance to clean up the city, plus provide uh, a benefit to renters. And and again, to me, a citizen's a citizen, a resident's a resident. Let's take care of people and let's do what's overall good for the city. And again, there may be some logic to it, and I'm sure there was, but from a fairness perspective, that logic has to overcome fairness in order for me to say, okay, I'll, I'll go along with that. But right now. I think we need to have a discussion. So that's my hope. And and then I hope if, in fact, we repeal the $10 a year charge, that more renters take advantage of it and help to keep our city cleaner. So that's the goal of that order. I also have, and this is, as you know, I'm, I, I'm av- I want to advocate and I want to see things moving in terms of redevelopment, in terms of housing. Yes. And in terms of mixed housing so that we create some additional housing opportunities for current residents, but we also bring other residents in, in terms of home ownership, in terms of uh, diversity of income. We can't just have subsidized housing. And so one of my goals, and this order pertains to the Churchill area, mm-hmm. primarily, because I know, and I met with the housing director, Matt Mainville, two weeks ago about the South Hoyle projects and Vega Park and the housing there, and I'm trying to move that a little bit along and trying to expand it. But in the Churchill area, my goal is to have uh, Marco Marrero, uh, Matt Mainville from the Housing Authority, Mike Moyarty from One Holyoke. I'm not quite sure who from the Wayfest runs at this point because they're kind of in flux. Someone from the Valley Opportunity Council and uh, any other housing agencies that are looking to do things to review the vacant lots in the Churchill area to see who can do what, how can we get it done so that we're not sitting here in 10 years and we're saying, what are we going to do with the vacant lots in the Churchill area? And so that includes, and I'll give you an example, my thought right now and my one one Hoyoke, which used to be old old Hoyoke, but now one mm-hmm. Hoyoke, built housing on Maple Street from Franklin to Jackson on the mm-hmm. on the east side. Right that right to the corner. Well one of the areas that I want to see us do is Jackson and Maple, which is right across the street. It's a vacant lot that basically people just park their cars in there. There's mud, there's dirt. And it would seem pretty logical to me to let's let them expand that housing to the next lot so that we have a continuation of what has been successful. We go up to Chestnut in Jackson. There's a big vacant lot opposite the Falsetti Towers, and it's not owned by the city. And we've been negotiating, and the housing authority has already talked about potentially doing something. But I know they've talked about whether they could work with Habitat for Humanity, uh, I mean, right now, it's a vacant lot that's been vacant, I'm going to say, for 30-plus years. There was a huge fire there at one time, and that was, I'm going to say, probably, and my, I'm younger, I was younger then, but I'm going to say it was probably a 20 to 30-unit apartment building uh, in that big area. So, you know, we can get a few houses in there, and obviously, we could either, 
you know, whether it be Habitat for Humanity or extending what we did with Churchill Homes, uh, and again, provide opportunities for people with lower moderate income to become a homeowner, to provide a tax-paying uh, house or uh, units or housing units, so that and which would then entice people to, you know, to park across the street. You got people now that are right next to the park. All those kind of things, and there's other lots. I mean, the lots on. Uh, on Walnut Street, uh, there's lots on corner of uh, Hampshire and Elm. There's two right across from each other. There's a lot on Franklin and Chestnut that is owned by Valley Opportunity Council. I mean, I want to see, you know, and they've owned it for a long time. So what are we doing? And if if you can't aren't going to do it, then let's get it to somebody who can do some things. Uh, so that's my gut. That'll probably go to the Development and Government Relations Committee, which makes sense. But my hope is that I don't expect we're going to see a, a shovel in the ground while I'm there. But I would certainly like to see, know that this agency is going to be putting the shovels in the ground in the next year or two. And this agency is going to take care of these units. And this agency is going to take, you know, if we put it all in one, maybe it takes longer. If we can have specific agencies dealing with specific things, we might be able to get things done and still be cooperative with each other. Uh, but again, redevelop it. Again, it's not fair to people to have vacant lots sitting there and sitting there and sitting there and people throw trash in there. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's a prescription for a lack of quality of life that the people that are there now don't deserve. They deserve a better quality of life. And from the community perspective, from a taxpayer perspective, from a community perspective, it just makes a set. And, and we need to provide some financial incentive. Obviously, the state needs to help us provide that. The federal government needs to help provide that. Um, but again, we got to get the players together. So everybody's saying, this is what we think can happen. And let's come up with the best ideas, the best potential funding sources, the best, po the best potential timeline, and let's redevelop. Churchill so that it's a neighborhood that people want to go live in, feel safe living in, and again, it expands our tax base because that's one thing we've got to do. We are certainly short on money, mm -hmm. so we need to find ways to continue to expand that so we get more and more money. And again, if we do it and with home ownership, you're expanding your economic diversity. You're also providing more business to the local community, local businesses, which then hopes, hopefully, to have small businesses come in and say, you know, there's a market here now that I, I could meet that market. I could get, I could be the, the supply for that demand. And until you get that money in that market, the supplier's gotta be a little less willing to make their investment. So that's, that's another one I got in. And the last one I got in currently, but I'm working on several others. <laughs> I'm very active, Johan. I'm, I'm not, I can tell. I, I'm not sitting back and just uh, taking my check. And it remind me to talk to you about Morgan and Donahue programs that we're going to be running, too. I'm going to throw one more thing and then remind me about that because we're working with Eddie Case on that. But the other thing, and I think, again, and I talked to you about this yesterday, I've got an order in. We need to see, let's, let's get our evidence as to where do we have uh, our drug problems? Where, where are there properties that have consistent drug issues? And are they owned by 
landlords that have multiple properties and all of them have the same issue. And if that is the case, I've gotten some preliminary telling me there are cases that that does fit. And then from that point, again, my argument and my concern is we need to find what we can legally do. That, that landlord should not continue to profit maintaining properties where some of the people living there do not feel safe because the landlord allows illegal activity to take place. And so if we know they're operating or they're allowing illegal activities to take place, uh, I want to see, and again, I've, the DA would be part of this process, the police department, obviously, potentially the building inspector, and potentially state legislators, I mean, depending on what we need to do. But it seems to me that society should not say to a landlord, yes, you own the property and, and you don't care what's going on, you're just collecting your money and you don't care the quality of life that you are not allowing your residents to have because you're allowing one or two units to be controlled by drug gang lords. Then if we can if we can find a way to say you know what you want to keep your property you got to get this straight and if you can't get this straight then you lose your property or something along that line now that may sound tough but no one no one deserves to make a living by making by allowing other people's lives to become where they're afraid to leave their apartment unit or or whatever they, or have their kid go out and play I mean we need to, we need to deal with it now again I don't know what the legal things that we can do but certainly you know we need to find a way to find actions that have landlords becoming partners in fighting crime not taking money from people that are committing crime and and hopefully we can we can do that and, and that, again that's right now those are the orders that i've already filed for the next meeting i got i'm working on several others in my mind but uh, you know my goal is that we got to become a safer community everybody has a right to feel safe and no one, I don't care what their economic background is, I don't care what ethnic background is, I don't care what racial background is, everyone should be in a position where they can feel comfortable going in and out of where they live, walking in their neighborhood, and knowing uh, that there's a quality of life that, that they should be guaranteed. And, and so I'm dealing in ideals, but if we don't deal in ideals, we never get a real better world. And again, I, can, I cannot accept, if there are landlords, and again, I have heard rumors, and that's all I've heard so far is rumors. I want substantiation. Are there, in fact, landlords that own multiple properties where we have the most significant drug problems? And if there are, then I want to see what we can do legally to eliminate as much of the drug problem as possible and to hold a landlord accountable for not taking care of their properties. And, and again, uh, We'll see what happens, but I'm hoping that uh, the council will say, yeah, you're, you're pretty dramatic, and I am, but again, if I can improve someone's quality of life by doing that, if I can get one bad landlord out of the city mm -hmm. and make one building safer, then that's a good start. I would like to make them all safer, but I'll start with the first one, and then if we get success, then hopefully we can keep moving and, and find ways to continue to make landlords accountable uh, and working cooperatively with police and others to make sure that, and cooperative with their good, their good tenants, to make sure that their building is safe, not only from a structural standpoint, but also from a, a human standpoint.
Yes, important to know that uh, as a community, you are safe and comfortable and that you're able to interact with everyone around you, knowing that regardless those differences, we are all in the same page and we are all for for improvement of our lives. Absolutely, absolutely. And again, if we do that, you know, I, I think that strengthens our educational environment. I mean, I, I just think that it, it will improve our economic environment. You know, you can't have people going into their homes and feeling like they're in prison. They did not do anything to make them feel that way, and they certainly don't deserve that. So, if, again, if we can make progress on that, and that's my hope, and again, I, in the next 10 and a half months, I'm probably not going to see it eradicated, but I certainly would like to see us come up with a plan <laughs> and take some actions against any landlords that are allowing illegal drug activity to take place in their buildings and just collecting the rents. I know that you stated that you are just going to do this work as city councilor for Ward 2 until the end of this term. Correct. Listening to all these actions and ideas uh, about to start getting put in, in, in motion and into consideration, have you ever thought about going back into city council at large? Well, two things. Number one, if you recall, when I spoke uh, on January 8th, mm -hmm. And I said I would. I am not. I will not run for this office. I also said I would not run at large. Uh, and I try to be a man of my word. Now I've already had. You, you're not the first one to ask me that. Uh, I've had several conversations in the last week or so. Uh, partly because people are. I think they're supportive of what I'm trying to do, and they're excited that I'm energized to do it. But my word is my word. That doesn't mean I wouldn't want to stay active. <laughs> Uh, it doesn't mean I wouldn't try to do something else. If that, if I thought by staying more involved, I could make further positive difference for the community, I won't backtrack from that. But you know, I gave my word. Now, if, I will say, and I've had some people say, "Well, how about if people draft you?" I don't know how people can draft me. I'm not. I'm not in the NFL <laughs> or Major League Baseball. I wouldn't mind having been in my youth, but you know, right now. Again, and my goal is to bring these issues out, uh, to get us talking about things. And, not, and, and the other thing that I think is really important, and I think it's very difficult, if you are there for a long time, it's very difficult to see outside the box. Uh, but because, you know, I mean, I've seen things from the outside, and I would say, I don't know about that, I don't know about this, that I, but... I'm taking a fresh look. I'm seeing things from a different perspective. I'm, and I could be wrong. I mean, I, 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 certain, I don't have all the answers. I guarantee you that. But I know if I don't ask the questions, I never will get an answer. <laughs> and I know that almost for certain, what we are doing now needs to be tweaked. We need to do things differently in certain ways. And that doesn't mean we aren't doing good things. We are doing some good things. But we can't be comfortable just doing those and not trying to resolve some of the other issues that are out there. And so it's a, it's a balance. And, um, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm lucky that I've been, you know, I'm 70 years old, so I'm not the youngest guy in the world. But I've been lucky in my health. You know, I still have my mental faculties. Some people may question that, but I do. 
and I still have my physical capacity. So mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm in a position where I've got energy, uh, I've got wisdom. Hopefully, in 70 years, I've I've learned a thing, few things about how to go about things. I I try to treat people with respect. I don't decide issues on the basis of who might have proposed it or who might be involved. I decide them on the basis of is this good for the city or is it not good for the city. Do the pros outweigh the cons? And if so, how much? And is it worth putting my time and effort into it? And I think, you know, certainly the things I've introduced so far, I mean, domestic violence, trying to trying to reduce the amount of domestic violence, try to provide better protection, we got to do better. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm a very active supporter of Women's Shelter Compañeros. I'm, you know, I've supported it for 39 years. Somewhere in my house, I have an award they gave me in my sec- at the first year after I left because I had been supporting them. But that and the housing situation and redeveloping the neighborhoods and uh, you know eliminating as, as much as possible drug dealing in apartment buildings and holding landlords accountable and creating safer environments on the street. I mean, all those kind of things are the kind of and the rental thing with the with the refuse collection. Those are to me, are, you know, they just be accepted. Well, I know. I may be wrong, but I can't just accept them until someone proves to me why I should accept it. And uh, but let me, while I'm remembering, because I want to announce this as well, and it's primarily for the Holyoke and the Donahue school students, the grades one through four. Uh, I've worked with the Parks Department. They're going to have uh, an adult person there that's working through the Parks Department. But on Monday and Wednesday, starting February 25th and going until the April break. Uh, Monday and Wednesday at Donahue School from 345 to 515. And I'm going to be coordinating the early going of it. I certainly can't make it every time, but I'm going to try to make many of the times. We're going to run a little basketball program for grade one through four at Donahue School Gym. I've already got uh, some volunteer people, several, several, the coordinator from Job Corps has talked about bringing some people over who are basketball players. But it's not just basketball. I want the kids to have fun. I want them to learn. And at Donahue, they got small hoops, so it's good because some of them are not going to be able to hit the other one, but they can learn the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. But I want them to have fun. I want them to know that there are people that care about them. And, and an after-school activity where they get a chance to, to make new friends, to play, uh, to get good at what they're doing, to learn teamwork, to learn that you're not going to win every game. Uh, but that doesn't mean you don't compete and you don't mm-hmm. try your best. So we're doing that at Donahue, and, and that's Monday and Wednesday, 3.45 to 5.15. And at Morgan, the same week, we start, Morgan will start on the 26th. We're doing Morgan School on Tuesday and Friday, same time, 3.45 to 5.15. So I'll, I'll get Thursdays off. But, uh, again, my goal is two things. Number one, I want and my constituents to, although many of the Donahue students are not my constituents, Certainly, almost all the Morgan students are. Many of the Donahue students are from the Ingleside Springdale area, so they, you know, there's a good percentage. And I and I know Lawrence already has a program, so. But I also want to see. Ultimately, this is another one of those things that I know what it used to be, and I know what it is now, and I know where it used to be had better opportunities than some of the things we're doing now. So my goal is run these programs now just for the schools. Just for the students at those schools, but eventually showing that it can work. Next year, next fall, next winter, 
running po programs through the Parks Department in conjunction with the schools, but for the neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. and, and maybe through more of the evening hours, maybe to 7, 8 o'clock at night, so that we got opportunity, and maybe it wouldn't be as formal and structured, but kids could just go in and play. And what's wrong with that? I mean, I did that when I was a kid, and I didn't turn out too bad. But uh, that's, a, that's the goal. I want to show that the school department and the parks department and the community can work together and do things. And Eddie Case, I'm sure you know Eddie Case. Absolutely. Has yeah. been, uh, you know, he's been very supportive of my trying to put this together. He's helped get the volunteers. Mm. We're actually trying to do some other things as well. And I know... You know, I, I think this is going to be successful. I think if, if I get 20 or 30 kids, you know, if I get enough kids, maybe I'll make them, I'll let them have a little league in their self. But we'll, depending on how many we get, but we'll teach them the right way. Uh, they'll get some exercise. They'll have some fun. And again, they'll learn the ups and downs of being on a, in an athletic event just like in life. You know, sometimes you're going to get the job and sometimes you're not. Sometimes you're going to get a pay raise and sometimes you're not. Uh, but that doesn't mean you don't do your best. And whatever the job you have, obviously, that's something you can learn from sports. Mm -hmm. You know, I could be the bottom of the totem pole. I could be the last person off the bench. When I get to play, that doesn't mean I should feel like the last person. I'm out there. I'm ready to play. Mm -hmm. And so we'll try to teach those skills. And, again, Eddie Case has also been very bad. One of the other words that I put in that also went to the DPW, and I'm hoping this will happen this spring, the James Jackson courts, which are on South Canal Street, okay. I'm asking them to be resurfaced. And as soon as I let Eddie Case know that that was one of the orders I was putting in, he indicated, "You get that done. We're going to run some pro we're going to run some tournaments there during the summer." Which again, my goal is let's bring people here. Let's show that we can all get along in any part of this city. Everyone should feel comfortable going, and I think that would again not only would provide basketball opportunities, but it would provide community opportunities. <laughs> And so I'm excited about that as well. So, and obviously the other big issue going on is the schools and what's going to happen with that. And I, you know, I still haven't made a decision on that. Obviously, it's a it's a big issue. I did support the uh, transfer of properties on Chestnut Street uh, to the housing authority with the option that the city could take it over if we're building a school on Chestnut Street. I think there, you know, we have to really. I think we need more options. Uh, I, I think just putting out that we are going to build two schools and it's going to be $56 million, I, I don't think that's the only option that we should have there. And I, and I also make it pretty obvious to me that if you put one option out there and that option isn't successful, then what do you do? Mm -hmm. uh, and then, and then you're, if, you, if you're telling me, well, that's all, we don't do anything else, then I, I would be inclined to think that that 56 million is not something I really needed to do. So, I mean, I, I've actually talked to a few of the counselors and I'm not sure, somewhere down the line, I expect I'm gonna be putting an order in to try to come up with other alternatives. And we have to worry about the taxes that people pay. I mean, there's only so much that people are gonna feel comfortable paying. And they also have to know that it's absolutely necessary uh, in order to do something to improve the quality. and. Uh, again, I think there's a possibility we could improve the quality of the middle school system uh, without spending 56 million. That doesn't mean we we can spend zero, but maybe half of that, so that instead of 103 million over 30 years, maybe it would be 
60 million over 30 years. Now, that still sounds that's $2 million a year, but 2 million versus almost 4 million, that's a pretty significant difference in terms of what's, what people and, and businesses have to pay. And I know it's an issue that is, the other problem I have, if we do a special election, which is part of the discussion, if we do a special election, we're, we're liable to get 10 or 15% of the voters to turn out. Should 10 or 15% of the voters, and let's say it's 55 to 45, be able to decide an issue that is going to have long-term consequences? And to me, that's, and if we're going to do it, we need to do it when we have the biggest potential voter turnout. So the, you know, we, we are talking, and it's been a long time since we get 50% of the vote. And I think right now in the last mayoral election, I think we were like 37 or something like that, which is sad. But I certainly don't feel like we should allow 7 or 8% of the voters to make a decision in terms of you should pay an additional $300 a year in taxes or whatever the case might be. And for some businesses, as I understand it, it's four, five, six hundred thousand in taxes. So there's a big difference. But obviously, you know, those are issues. And we got to balance the needs for education and improvement with the needs of keeping us uh, economically viable from a taxpayer standpoint and from uh, people being able to afford to pay their taxes. So, I mean, those are issues that are, you know, I've been working in my head. I'm actually visiting schools. I've got a tour schedule. I've been to Morgan, obviously. I've been to Donahue. I'm going to Dean and uh, Lawrence, and I'm going to visit uh, McMahon, and then I'm going to visit the uh, the storage facility for the school department where you where used to be Reynolds Manufacturing on Main Street, and I want to see you know what's that what's that like, and but I want to see what's going on. I mean, I think Dean has potential to uh, be part of an alternative solution. Uh, since we have far less high school students there than we used to, we already have a started middle school there. Uh, so there are some, and that doesn't mean we wouldn't provide additional technology and, and equipment there, which I think we should. If we build a, one new school, then we certainly got to make sure wherever the other kids are going, they have equal tools. <laughs> Do equal tools require a new building? And that's where, and I think the other thing, if we did that, then obviously, potentially, if we don't build two schools, we have a potential to continue to do a development of a neighborhood and build residential neighborhoods a little more without the school. So I, there's a lot of things going on, and obviously uh, none of them are easy. And then you know, but again, my question keeps coming back: give me the pros and give me the cons. And if we can have more pros than cons, or can I even can I change the perspective? Like well, the schools are a perfect example. I mean, I see the con that it's very expensive. The pros are you have two new buildings, but the cons are, are those two new buildings really necessary for us to provide a better education? They might be, but I haven't had, it, I haven't had proof of that yet. And until I get proof of that, I can't do that. And again, the special election part just, uh, you know, that's, that's, I get, that should be when we have the most people voting, not when we have potentially the least people voting. And what happens if you did it during school vacation week? You know, I mean, I know the date was, I think the date, original date was April 19th or something like that, which I don't think is gonna happen, but I'd be shocked if it happens. Uh, 
But those are all, you know, kind of things. And again, I've, I want to encourage the residents of Ward 2 primarily, but any any other residents, because I'm, while I may be the Ward 2, I've off, when I was at large, I traveled the whole city and I, and I walked and drove and looked. And when I saw things that weren't right, I said, let's get something. Whiting Farms Road is a perfect example. There wasn't a sidewalk there way back when the mall first went there. And I said, how can we have this major road go into the mall and no sidewalk? And, you know, those kind of things. And I do the same thing now. While I don't feel like I should put orders in from other people's districts, if someone calls me and makes a request, I certainly will contact their ward counselor and see if, you know, they agree. And, and if they don't agree, I still might put it in uh, if I think it's something worthwhile. But if there's, you know, I'm looking right now at a sidewalk at on Jackson Street between South Summer and South Bridge. Uh, it's and it actually curves around onto South Summer as well. It's it's broken up. It's all falling apart. I mean, that's certainly one of the ones that I'm going to be putting in for the DPW, hopefully to do it in the springtime. Uh, it's not an area that a lot of people walk, but it's a sidewalk. To, I mean, it's a sidewalk. And if someone can walk and get hurt on it, then we need to get it fixed. But if there are things like that, people know that a sidewalk's in tough condition. Let me know. I'll come and take a look. If there's you know, safety issues in terms of driving or safety issues in terms of uh, whatever, drug people, whatever, uh, you know, let me know. I mean, I, I can, I can, I may not have all the answers and I may not have all the solutions, but I can probably go to people that can come up with some thoughts and some answers and some solutions. And again, I, I want people to know I want Holyoke to be better. And I want Holyoke to be Holyoke one, not one Holyoke. Boy, one, one community, all working together, and we're not always going to agree, but I respect your opinion to disagree with me, and I ask them to respect the opinion. And, and if, if we all do that, then, then whatever we decide, we're better off than, than we are when we don't get along only because of personalities or whatever <laughs> else might be out there. So, I mean, again, I encourage all War II residents uh, Best way is probably by email because then I have a written note of what you're trying to tell me. Mm -hmm. uh, I also have your name there and all that kind of stuff. And that my email is tmurphy1hcc at comcast.net. And so if, they, if anybody has concerns, if they send them to me, you know, I will gladly do whatever I can. I'm trying to get, regarding this biodigester meeting, I'm trying to get some flyers that I can pass out that they're supposedly working on that will be bilingual, uh, but I haven't got those yet. So, uh, And again, I certainly want to invite you to come because I think it's an important meeting. Uh, and I don't know if you do road trips. I know you do because I've seen you do road trips. But if you wanted to come, I, I would welcome you coming to the thing at Donahue or at Morgan when we're doing that on the afternoon and talk to some of the kids let's see let's give the kids a chance to talk on the radio let's see how what they liked and what they didn't like you know they're the people i'm trying to help maybe they don't like what i'm doing but maybe hopefully they do but either way you know that gives them an opportunity to say and i would think they'd be pretty excited to be you know i'm on the radio <laughs> you know uh and you know those kind of things but i would certainly invite you and i appreciate your willingness to give me time and uh, I definitely will be back. So, so this is our update session with City Councilor for Work to Terry Murphy, and it's been a lot of work in a month. Yes, and much, much more to go. 
So this is all a process where we are all involved. We are all part of it. So make sure that make yourself available to attend these the sessions and get informed and be part of the decisions. Also to bring up any of your concerns to Councillor Murphy on situations that need to be addressed at City Council. So all the information uh, on how to contact Councillor Murphy is also available in the posting of this session on radioplasma.com. Could I just take one more comment? Absolutely. If there are community events taking place, I would love to be able to meet with people at their community events as much as I can. Obviously, there'll be times I can't, but... Again, if they could contact me via email and let me know, you know, we're doing something at Morgan School, we're doing something on Main Street, we're doing something in Churchill or in Springdale or England, whatever, and there is an element that they would, you know, be able to communicate with me in a group setting, and I would certainly welcome the invitations uh, and potentially, you know, as, as much as my schedule would allow, attend. I think that would help me build my ability to communicate one of the other things, and I didn't mention this, and I'm still working on it because it hasn't been finalized, I'm trying to work with Mount Holyoke to see about potentially a volunteer or two to help me both in terms of a bilingual volunteer, helping me in terms of communicating with the neighborhoods, helping me at meetings, uh, and those kind of things. Now, I'm still working on logistics, and I'm not sure it's going to work out, but I'm hoping it will. Uh, but if it does, you know, that's, again, that would provide me with an opportunity to have someone coming with me that would learn more about the Holyoke community, learn more about the particular sections in my ward, but also the community as a whole, and would also be doing it because they want to be helping make Holyoke better. So, I mean, that's something I, I should have mentioned that before because I, I started the process, but we're just in the early stages. But I'm hoping that someone from Mount Holyoke or several people from Mount Holyoke that are bilingual would be interested in what they can do to help me help this community. So that's, I won't say that's my last word because you can tell I can talk. <laughs> Thank you so much, Councillor Murphy, for being here with us, for the work that you're doing and for sharing all this information. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This is our conversation with Councillor Terry Murphy from the Ward 2 in the city of Holyoke, Massachusetts, and this is Radio Plasma. This session has been recorded in the media studio of the Gandhara Youth Development Center in Holyoke, Mass. I'm your producer and host, Johan Rashi Vega. Thank you for listening. <laughs>